0: What's up, and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. Well, Sean, we made it. First episode of the Crude Oil Podcast. Uh, how you feeling?
1: Um, I could say nervous. <laughs> that, I think that's a good way to put it, but I I'm, I'm also very excited, it. very, very excited.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, very much looking forward to this. Um, this is essentially just a hobby project that we decided to put together, just two passionate guys, really, really, um, excited for this Oilers run and kind of the, uh, the life we're living in watching this as a fan. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a brand new pod. Sean, do you want to share kind of where we're going with this?
1: Um, well, essentially I think the idea is just to discuss all things old and new with Oilers, try to keep it as current as possible um just because we are in that new era and that's where we want to focus we're going to be trying to upload a new episode every monday hopefully we'll see how the editing process goes and things like that but hopefully it all works out pretty well since we do both have full-time jobs it could be pretty hard to balance as i'm sure a lot of people know balancing your jobs and your hobbies is kind of a shit show sometimes sorry go ahead no no sorry to cut you off that's kind of
0: the one thing that uh kind of pushed us towards is we're we're just guys with jobs like we don't get paid to talk about this stuff um i'd like to get paid to talk about oh this my stuff. god yeah could you imagine <laughs> but i i find like a lot of the the podcasts that fill the niche that we're trying to uh fill right now is just from a lot of people who that's that's what they surround themselves with every single day and um the only time you get to really hear a uh, feedback from from fans is on the on the radio shows where you call in after the games but uh I think the one thing that we're bringing to this table is the fact that we can do it a little bit uh, differently, whereas we're not going to cut off uh, any any feedback that has, uh, you know, sensor material.
1: It's true. At least currently, we don't have any sponsors or anything to listen to, so we can say and do whatever we really want.
0: Very true. Very true. Um,
1: but you guys can follow us on Twitter at uh, Crude Oil Podcast whenever you want and follow us on any of the podcast platforms. We're going to try and upload this to as many as possible. So, There'll be Apple Podcast, Spotify, and we'll we'll also have a YouTube channel where we'll upload all of our videos. Hopefully, one day we'll have like a like a actual video feed of us doing these podcasts. But right now, it's just going to be the audio. Um, and then we might even consider doing live stuff one day. But we'll see how that all goes. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Um,
0: one other thing I just want to chime in is let you guys know our Twitter DMs are open. Um, This is something that we want you guys to be able to voice your own questions, and we will have segments in the podcast moving forward, just in regards to answering any questions you have, and then hopefully opening up to uh, um, actually getting live feedback. But I mean, we're starting somewhere, so now that we got that out of the way, we're going to jump into our game reviews of the past week. Uh, We have to start somewhere, so we're just going to cover the last three games. Pittsburgh, San Jose, Vancouver. Uh, before we, we head into playoffs and really talk about the meat and potatoes of where we're at right now. So, uh, Sean, you want to start
1: with Pittsburgh? Yeah, for sure. Before I quickly jump into that, I just wanted to mention with those inboxes Um we need we need people to message us. So if you have any questions, message us. Don't be afraid to do it because if we don't have enough people, then we're not going to do it. So everybody's got to get in there if you want to. Yeah, not so, even
0: not even just questions, comments, feelings. Yeah, however. tell us how
1: much we suck. That's fine. <laughs> as long as it's comments and you like, you can hate us with a burning passion. That's fine. I don't care. Um, but with all that being said, we'll just take a quick look at that Penguins game, the uh, offside challenge game that was happening everywhere you could look. Um, pretty much. The forechecking was the reason that they were able to win and the activating defense. I found that that was far and away the most contributing factor on almost every single goal. It was either forcing a turnover or protecting the puck in the corner and then firing it off to a D-man and them just putting it on net, um, which was leading to goals, which is something this team has lacked for a long time. They've tended to be afraid to go into the corners and dig. But with like Hyman, Yamamoto, Kane, and even Pugliarvi, they love to go in there and dig that out for the bigger guys with uh, McDavid and Drysidel and uh, Nuge there to make those passes. So it's been fantastic. Um, I've also, watching that game, I love the Yamamoto, Kane, McDavid line. I know that a lot of people want Pugliarvi on that line, but I love the way that Yamamoto seems to be able to read off Kane and McDavid. Um, he just seems like his brain can keep up with the play a little bit more than Pugliarvi can at this point in his career. <laughs> Nothing against him, because I love him. But with that being said, I think that at this point Yamamoto is a slightly better player. But we'll see come playoffs how that fits, because his body type doesn't exactly fit that. But
0: Yeah, and that that's something we'll get to in uh, a little bit, just in regards to our, our lineup combinations that uh, we're seeing and what we'd kind of like to see. Uh, heading into the playoffs, but uh, um, one thing we were talking about before we started recording here is it It just seems Edmonton comes into Pittsburgh swinging that big dick energy that they've had lately. Uh, Pittsburgh's no team to slouch off. Um, it, when you, you put up a score like that after walking into Pittsburgh's barn, it gives you so much confidence heading into the playoffs. Uh, I, I kind of would figure that there's maybe a, a, a bit of a mentality in the players' heads with the last two games last week of the season that um they're in they've secured home ice advantage they know they're playing the kings they could really mail it in but uh i think pittsburgh was a really big game to uh really show what the what the oilers are made of right now
1: well that was the interesting thing is like against the sharks and against the canucks it's it was somewhat whatever because they had already wrapped up their spots Um, and even against the penguins they had but the penguins were still fighting for home ice advantage so they had a game to play, and we absolutely rolled them. Um, realistically, yeah. it should have been like 7-1 to one because of the offside challenges. Well, I guess 6-1 to because they wouldn't <laughs> have probably scored two empty netters. But regardless, um, I absolutely hate the offside challenge. Yeah. I think that I understand the intention of the rule, but I think the way that they have implemented it is terrible. And it completely sucks the life out of the game, and the momentum out of the team that scored. And it's just kind of a joke at this point. I wish that they would rework it a bit.
0: Yeah, it's a little tic tacky. Like, I I'm glad they got rid of uh, like there's an actual consequence for calling the uh, the challenge because it, it cuts so much time to the game. Um, it it really took the a lot of the enjoyment out of things. And then just to see an offside that could be called, you know, 45 seconds before the goal was scored is so inconsequential to like the actual goal itself. It just, uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you there.
1: I didn't even really think about the fact that they can go back and call those things because they can do it with the hand passes and everything too. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they could theoretically add like a timer to be Mm -hmm. like, if it wasn't like 10 seconds before the goal, then like you can't go back and challenge it. But I'm sure people would pick that apart pretty quickly too when there's a goal that's 10 and a half seconds before um, that threshold. But yeah, um, ultimately I think... The main thing is to get rid of those stupid goals like the Matt Duchesne goal a few years ago oh. um, where he was like 10 feet offside and yeah. the ref somehow missed it. So ultimately, I've talked about this with several people that I think it should be the refs can look at it in full speed, let's just say three times quickly. And if you can't determine if it's offside, if it's inconclusive, then you can't call it back. Yeah. But if it's super obvious like Duchesne being offside, then sure. Yeah. But I hate where they sit there for 10, 12 minutes with like zooming in on the line and super ultra slow-mo, making sure they get that exact one frame that it was like a millimeter offside. Yeah. It just seems like such a joke and a waste of time at that point.
0: Yeah, totally get that. But. So uh I yeah the Oilers coming out with a five one victory, heading back home. Uh last road game obviously of the year they they jump in with a back to back with the Sharks and Vancouver. As you mentioned, Sean like completely inconsequential games that just a bunch of nothing birders, but they they still found a way to perform in both games.
1: Well, there were some good moments in both games too with like Broberg sc- scoring his first goal, which was yeah. great. Yeah. I know a lot of people want to pick apart his um, not going for the puck when Koskinen played it on that first goal. Um, but ultimately that was just a mis- miscommunication from everyone. I'm kind of surprised since they should be used to Smith and net and expect him to play the puck like 99% of the time. So you think they would have been more prepared, but what can you do? But we also got a second power play unit goal out of yeah, that, which is yeah. always nice. Um, ultimately, the defense looked a little shaky. Um, I know that they scored some goals and played well in the O-zone, but ultimately in the D-zone they were showing some cracks, which could be the nurse missing from the lineup and overplaying Keith and um, Bouchard in positions where they maybe shouldn't be.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, and then ultimately, they also scored two straight five cold games, which I feel like nobody talked about, which is having the offense keep producing over and over again, and Koskinen getting some of that goal support that he was missing earlier in the year. Yeah. I will say the team always seems to play better in front of Smith. I'm sure it's his puck playing ability and things like that, but in general, it just seems really weird how they play so much better in front of him.
0: Uh, Yeah, I know what you mean. And I, I kind of wonder too if it has to do with a little bit of confidence, like when you know the guy's back there and he's gonna make the the stops that you need, uh, especially if he can help you out in your own your own end. Where uh, I mean, Miko's getting better at it, but it's kind of scary. It seems ever since Smith came over, uh, Miko's really tried to to compete with that uh, the puck playing ability. Um, but I I think it's it comes down to a confidence thing. Um, well, I'm sure but, he's
1: learned a thing or two from Smith over the years yeah. of how to better play the puck. But, yeah, I totally agree.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nice to see Hyman with the uh, the game winner. Um, man, I love that guy. Just what a hard worker.
1: Yeah, anytime we don't have to rely on McDavid and dry Saddle in overtime or really in any position, I love it. <laughs> and Hyman's been a breath of fresh air in that regard, especially on the power play. I was going to mention it from the last game. He scored a, a power play goal where he just had some quick hands out front. Which is something we've been missing for so long. Like, I know Lucic was just, like, he was a big body, yes, but his hands were so slow, which was painful to watch. And even having, like, Puliarvi out in front of the net, he doesn't have the fastest reaction time. So that's been a bit painful. Um, Yamamoto's not bad, but he's too small. I think Hyman's kind of the best of everything. Um, If he could get better at tipping, then I think he would be the perfect net front power play guy.
0: But uh, yeah, back to your point about not relying on Drysidel and McDavid, we head into Friday night's game against Vancouver. Again, just a game that, I mean, you could you could sleep through. Um, I but, mean, the
1: Oilers slept through the first two periods. So. Uh, that's
0: fair. That's very fair. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, they still found a way to, to pull up the two points, although it went to a shootout and... Who the hell had Devin Shore with the uh, the winner?
1: I didn't. I'll tell you that. Was much. that
0: round six? I th- like, yeah, it was round
1: six. Koskinen made all the saves. Yeah, the only reason they won that game was Koskinen. As oh, much man. as everybody's like, "Yeah, we did it. We won a game without McDavid." If it wasn't for Koskinen, we would have lost that game. Like by the end of the first period, we were getting outshot like twenty to seven or something like that after the first. Like you can't play like that and expect to win. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm sure. Anybody in that lineup wasn't really trying that hard. Probably yeah. just trying to keep your legs fresh, and that's about it.
0: I, I thought it was a game where uh, where Kane really shined, too. Like, comes out eight shots for Evander Kane, and we'll get into him a little bit later. I didn't but
1: see that he had eight shots. That's impressive. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think those games where you don't have McDavid and Dreissel in, it's really cool to see who steps up for the team. Um, Nuge had a pretty strong game. Yeah. Um, just just overall a good team game without the the big two in the lineup. But, I mean, you could take all of those 82 games and everything that fucking happened and threw it all in the garbage because nothing matters. Uh, basically, we're recording here Sunday uh, on, on playoffs Eve. I would say everything that's happened from here back to September really doesn't matter if you don't get through these next four games. And I say four because if you, you – show up the way the Oilers did last year, we're going to be fucking golfing
1: next next week. I mean, so. personally, last year, I didn't think they showed up weak or anything. All those games are incredibly close. But at the same time, they should have stomped the Jets, and they didn't because Edmonton tends to play down to their competition.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's one of the things I wanted to get into to uh, start off this uh, Kings preview that we have here. Um, what are your... Uh, what are your big differences that you notice with the Oilers? Um, I guess this year compared
1: to last year, I know I have a few things, but so the main thing I would say is depth. Like if you look at our roster this year with the new additions of Kane, Hyman, Vogel, McLeod—he played the end of last year, but he has kind of made his himself an actual NHLer this year, as well as having Ryan there. It's made a huge difference. Like I'm just looking, and like our entire left side is different with Kane Hyman and Fogel. Yeah. And that's not to mention like Yamamoto and Polyarvi improving their play. So, I think exponentially on the forward side, that's the biggest difference. What do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point. That was the one thing I was going to talk to, but uh the other thing I I don't want to go down the rabbit hole because we all we've seen it, we've seen the numbers, the changes. I think the voice in the locker room and the guy they have behind the bench, uh, I think Jay Woodcroft is going to be the biggest uh, change that the Oilers have. It it, it kept feeling like they'd be uh, trying to just do the same thing over and over again, but better. And it kind of it alludes back to Derek Ryan's point that he made. Uh, it was a couple days ago when he was talking to uh, the media and and just mentioning how it seemed when Tippett was in the uh, the room, whenever they were running into struggles, they had to be better and work harder. And it was the same thing, but it's one thing to to be better and and work harder but these teams that you're playing against they're they're changing the way that they're um they're playing based off of the way that you're playing if all you're trying to do is just do better at the same thing that you're trying to do you you only have to change once and we've seen the oilers get beat time and time again so to hear that um that point that jay woodcroft is is continuing trying to reinvent the wheel and uh identify those things for those players like uh, i've been in hockey rooms before i've coached before these these people that uh think that the old coaching style of of working harder and being better like it just doesn't fucking work anymore these players are eager to learn new things they're eager to figure out why why things aren't working and I, i truly believe and back to Derek ryan's point like that's that's coach's job so to hear uh, that that's one of the biggest changes that they're hearing, uh, I think it's uh, its going to be the biggest difference between this year and last year, but it, it's whether or not the players show up after that.
1: I mean, I definitely agree with you, especially with uh, Derek Ryan, because he went from, like, what, eight minutes of ice time a game to getting 15 under Woodcroft, and it really shows because I've noticed since um, Woodcroft came in that he's been playing exponentially better. like very underrated part of ryan's game is his tipping yeah i've noticed that like he's especially right when that change happened he had that game where he had like three goals in two games and all of them were tips even just in one of those last games he was tipping in like it's something that this team seems to lack is hand-eye coordination in front of the net i don't know why mostly because there are guys with good hand eye like mcdavid and dry and nuge tend to not go in front of the net Because God forbid one of them gets hit by a puck and then they're injured.
0: Well, and and that's the thing. Like you go back to uh, the differences between the teams. Like you look at Calgary and like, I don't know any of these guys personally, but just the way the team's built, it's just brute strength and hard work. And I think when Daryl Sutter decides to jump off the tractor and, and come back to the barn in Calgary, like that's how he knows how to work things. And that's why it worked for Calgary. But you look at Edmonton, who's not a fairly sized team. They don't really play very gritty. They're very cerebral type, um, cerebral type players, and I think that really relies on uh, changing up your strategy.
1: Well, having players play in roles that they can actually succeed in is a huge difference too.
0: Yeah, like I could talk about Woodcroft for a long time. Just he, the comments he made after the game, where someone asked something about Drysidle and. And McDavid and his immediate response was, "Well, those guys weren't playing. Let's talk about the guys in the lineup.
1: Like, the guy's a fucking leader. Like, makes me want to run through a wall." I'm, I'm very interested after watching Tippett the past two years to see how he does in the playoffs. Yeah, see if he's able yeah. to change on the fly and do things like that, like things that Tippett seemed to struggle with, and see if it's an actual difference maker. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm going to hold off on. Positively judging Woodcroft, like yes, he's done a good job in the short term, but I don't want to like say that he's like the greatest coach of all time is going to lead us to the promised land until I've seen him in the playoffs, especially against like... his former mentor or whatever in Tom McClellan Well,
0: yeah, you sounded like a jaded Oilers fan, like we all are. <laughs> so I, was, I prefer a great just answer, <laughs>
1: cautious optimism. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I want to be optimistic that we're going to win the cup. I put money on Edmonton to win the cup. Oh. Uh. But with that being said, I need to be somewhat hesitant behind it.
0: I'm the hopeless romantic type when it comes to this team. Uh, you love them, and then you get your heart broken. It's it's no in between. So I can
1: only do it so many
0: times. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, speaking of which, let's uh, jump into the line combinations. We have the uh, the list of practice uh, line combos that we're seeing on Sunday, um, and we'll kind of go through what your uh, you were talking about with, with everything on the left-hand side and all the changes that we've seen. and um, As well on the right-hand side with uh, just having that depth. So looking at the, uh, the rosters on on Sunday's practice, we saw Kane, McDavid, and Puglia Yarvi back up at the top line. Uh, you got Hyman, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, Fogle, Nuge, and Derek Ryan. And then rounding up the top 12, we have Brassard, McLeod, Cassian with Shore and Archie as the extras. And then an interesting change on the defense. It sees uh, Nurse CeCe, Keith Bouchard, Russell Berry, and then Kulak uh, and Broberg. Um, and then Smith Koskinen. So first off, Sean, you kind of surprised with Kulak there?
1: Um, The only thing that would make me not surprised with that is if they're running seven. And Kulak is just going in everywhere because he can play both sides too. So he's just subbing in here and there for everybody and getting more minutes. Because if there's one thing I've noticed when Nurse was out is that Kulak really stepped up. Yeah. So I'd hate to see him suddenly be the odd man out, especially being passed by Russell, which seems a little odd to me. Yeah. But Russell kind of has the same ability as Kulak to play both sides. So maybe they're kind of the flexible two of that group.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I guess my follow-up would be, like if you're looking at the top twelve, then like who sits? That's got to be Cassian, right?
1: I that's the thing. If they're doing that, I would probably say it's kind of debating between Bursard Shore for their defensive abilities, right. particularly like Shore and his penalty killing versus what can Cassian bring in the playoffs? Well, because which what? Cassian's gonna show up?
0: That's exactly what I was gonna say. Like if you get that that pissed off Zach Cassian, um, the guy that showed up in 2017 and lit the fucking city on fire, like, that's the guy you want. And you don't want him necessarily playing on that bottom line extra minutes, but when you're cycling like in an 11 and 7 situation, you're gonna get, you know, the McDavid centering, you're gonna get the dry cycles flipping down to get some extra time. Um, but yeah, I, I what casting are you gonna get? Because I mean, if, if you're gonna get what we've seen this year, and this, this fucking pains me because I love Zach Cassian. I think he's a, a fantastic person. I think he's gone through so much stuff. And, he's overpaid, uh, though. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. But uh, I don't know. It. I would I would pay him all of his salary if he shows up like 2017 and have zero issue with whatever happened. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I think that's just the big question of what they're really going to do. If I were to guess... I probably say Cassian's in, yeah. just based off of his history and like I know McLeod can kill penalties now too, and Yamamoto and Nuge and Drysaddle goes in there, so they don't necessarily need Shore. Um, so I think if I were to put my money on it, I would say Cassian's in. Yeah, that well, would be my guess.
0: That's fair. That's fair. So I guess none of us are the coach, um, but if we were to have some things, uh, what's the first thing you change with that that lineup?
1: Well, it's like I was saying earlier, I still love the Kane-McDavid-Yamamoto grouping, especially with Kane on that line. They're not desperate for size as much, so Pugliarvi isn't necessarily necessary yeah. on that line. Um, and then that gives the them the ability to move Pugliarvi down, even potentially to the third line. I know that Fogle, Nuge, and Ryan have been really good together, but um, I think spreading out the... Spreading out the offense is going to be extremely important in this series, especially a five-on-five. Five, considering they have Kopitar and Dano, yeah, because Deneau, is he pretty much single-handedly shut down Toronto. So yeah. I, I wouldn't put it past them to really dig deep on McDavid and Drysaddle and make it difficult for them and their lines in general. For sure. Um, so I'd like to see that and then potentially McLeod somewhere in the top six in that case. Mm -hmm. Probably in Yamamoto's spot, I would assume. That's where I had him too. Um, And then that leaves Ryan as like the fourth line center or in that bottom two of the top 11 or whatever, if they decide to go 11 and seven. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. How about you?
0: Yeah, mine's the exact same. I think you got to keep Yamamoto at the top with Kane and McDavid. I I think there's there's obviously some sort of uh, chemistry that's, basically a breakable at this point with Kane and McDavid, but I think Yamo's is such a good compliment player to to jump up with them. And then when you jump down to the, the second line with Settle and, and uh, Hyman together, I think you got to fit McLeod up there. Uh, I think it adds such a speed development. I, I would say he's – I don't want to say the wish version of Nugent Hopkins but because he, he's going to get there one day. But I think his his puck handling ability and his playmaking skills – he can also finish the play. Like he can he can score goals, man. And we've seen it. Um but I think ultimately what that does is it pushes Pullyarve down to the third line and like I at this point like I don't see a problem with that.
1: I'm going to preface all of this by saying I have a McLeod bias. <laughs> I think he's a great player and I want to see him succeed. Um I compare him a lot to Pouliarvi in the sense that like they look great when they're out there. Yeah. But they just haven't put up the numbers. And so I want McLeod in the top six to see him have the potential to put up those numbers. But I'm kinda of contradictory or contradicting myself because I want to move Pulyarvey down because he hasn't produced those numbers, <laughs> even though his like advanced stats have been great. Yeah. Um, so it's kinda of like, Who am I really arguing for with that argument? But yeah. Ultimately, I think Pugliarvi's had his opportunity and hadn't put up the number, so I just want to see what McLeod can do. Well,
0: and it's a great point, too. Like, I think with Woodcroft, back to the the changes that we're... Well, at least I'm expecting to see, is I don't think we're going to get a situation where we have Tippett banging his head on the side of a fucking wall trying to make the same thing work over and over. Like, I think if they're going to put Pugliarvi at the top line, he's going to get maybe a game to figure it out. Um, I don't think we're going to wait like we did last playoffs to see what yaml dry and nuge together until they were eliminated period of the elimination game like i think uh i think every player that is deserving of ice time is going to get it uh but it's also like that's not to say that nuge isn't deserving of you know more ice time himself but he's just he's more effective as a third line centerman it's just it's It's just just the way it is
1: it's proven fact at this point yeah but i'm I don't consider that a third line per se. I consider it almost like a 1A, 1B, and then a second line. Yeah. And they just roll those lines hard.
0: Absolutely. Which
1: gives them the ability to do that 11 and 7 more so than any other team really can. Yeah. Because they have those three centers that they can just roll those three centers constantly. Definitely. And like they can all play together. This team's been put in a blender enough over the years that they all know how to play together at this point. So, like, I don't see that really being a problem. Yeah. And you can thank uh, Dave Tippett for playing uh, McDavid and Dry Saddle so much that I'm not concerned about them potentially having to play 25-plus minutes a night because we know they can do that.
0: Yep, yeah, that's very true. So, uh, on that note, Dave, if you're listening, we hope you're enjoying your uh, margaritas in Mexico. Uh, looks like you're having a good time. Um, just to the last part of these uh, <laughs> these lineups, um, we got to talk about goaltending. Um, I'm... I'm riding Smith right now, but uh, I know it was back to those comments where the Oilers said we got to get Smith up and running. Um, it sounds like that's exactly what they had to do. He's like an old diesel truck that you have to fire up for 15 minutes to get going, but uh, they they last a fucking lifetime. So, I mean, you gotta. I think you have to ride with Smith and you give him a very short leash. Um, I don't think this team is a one goalie team. I would be shocked if uh, they didn't mix it up. If they lose one game, I wouldn't be shocked for uh, for Woodcroft to, to flip the script. But I don't know. I, I'm, I've am i got to ride Smith right now. He's the guy I'm confident
1: in. I would 100% agree that we should ride Smith. Um, but I don't necessarily agree that if he loses one game, you should switch.
0: That's fair. If oh, they're no.
1: down 0-2 or if they're down like 3-1 or something like that, Then I could see them being like, "Okay, was the goaltending the problem? Then we switch." Yeah. But like, unless he completely shits the bed, yeah, and just like shows up like he did at the beginning of the year, which I highly Mm. doubt, because he was one of the best goalies in the league in the second half of the season. Like hell, he was second star for the month of April, Mm. which is great to see. Yeah. Nobody would have uh, put money on Smith becoming the best player in April back, even like. The month prior. <laughs> no shit. But no.
0: That that's why I said I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. I definitely wouldn't be on board. So I, I think we're on uh, agreement there. Um
1: we never really touched on the defense at all, but I think that's just because like besides yeah. the fact that they're gonna going to potentially run seven, everybody yeah. kinda knows what's gonna go on. The only question mark is Nurse, who was skating at practice today, which was nice. Yeah. But it's just what percent of Nurse shows up. Is he hundred percent or is he gonna be playing at like seventy five for a game or two? Yeah, exactly. Which makes me lean more toward the seven defensemen as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think we've seen it work for uh we've seen it work for Woodcroft in the past. Um I mean, the last two teams that won the Stanley Cup in both Tampa teams ran eleven and seven, so it works it's uh it's definitely conventional look but it's i mean back to the the old adage that defense and and goaltending wins you uh, Stanley Cups so um i i don't know i i'm okay with with the way things are shaking out right now i could go with any mixture of the the uh well 7 of 8 that we have right now um I, and i think that's a huge improvement from what we had last year
1: oh i'd say exponentially so yeah. and everybody's kind of improved overall like Bouchard is an exponentially better player than he was last year and Kulak's been fantastic with that trade that's got to give Holland a pat on the back for that one <laughs> that they paid half the price for the better defenseman because I believe his chariot who went out of uh out of Montreal and yeah yeah Kulak's the better of the two and Edmonton paid half the price
0: so looking at the uh keys to victory um we'll look at both the Oilers and uh Kings keys that's kind of a alliteration there, but um, yeah, I, I I'm just gonna throw out the fact that the Oilers are gonna have to be able to adapt this year. That is the biggest key to victory that I think that they they have. They need to be able to switch things up if something's not working. I feel like you're back on the coach train again, throwing shade at Tippett. It, uh, yeah, <laughs> poor guys is just probably like fuck this guy.
1: Um, oh, no, I have millions of dollars and I'm in Mexico. My <laughs> yeah. life's so hard.
0: Here, here you have a guy working a job. Full time, and then doing this as a as a thing for fun and shitting over someone who's a professional. Uh, I would love. <laughs> I,
1: I just want to get fired and get paid millions of dollars after
0: I get fired. Yeah, yeah. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah, that sounds like the uh, perfect job scenario. Um, but I yeah I, I can see why you think that. I think a lot of it has to do with the players too. Like they gotta be able to shake it up. You can't just be. And we've seen it before. I I don't know if it's part of the coaching system or stuff, but when. When you have the uh, the power play entry and you keep running that... Uh, um, McDavid draw pass? The draw pass to McDavid and he keeps getting stuffed. or uh, it, They they have to be able to adapt. I think playoffs are about adapting. That's it. players and coaches. <laughs> well, that's fair. Um, just on the Kings, uh, the Kings keys. We've got to figure out a different way to say that, but that's fine. I, th- I think it's fun. That's great. They're not going to win anyways. Um <laughs> I think if the Kings are going to find a way to uh, to fight deep in this series, they have to shut down Drysdale and McDavid. Uh, I think that's an obvious answer. Um, but I think one thing that the Kings will have to find a way to uh, to really battle is I think they're going to have to find a lot of ways to score goals. I
1: think that'll be the hardest part for them because yeah. they've never been a team known for offense. They're exactly. a little bit more offensive than they used to be, just with all their young guys in the lineup. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like I do agree with you that they need to shut them down. But I think it'll be like the big key that I've been thinking about is their defense and their goaltending. Is yep. like which quick shows up? Are, the, are we going to get twenty twelve quick, who's going to absolutely steal the entire series? Or are we going to get beginning of the season quick where he's, or even the past few years where he's looked pretty washed up? Yeah. Um, and then their defense I think is the biggest question mark because they're missing Dowdy for one. So like they're lacking experience. Are they going to be able to handle Edmonton? Like let alone McDavid and dry settle, but the depth that they have now. Yeah. Like how are they going to be able to handle the speed that they have with their four centers? It's yeah. going to be extremely interesting to see what they're able to do. And I'm terrified of DeNo. I will say that. So wait,
0: are we saying that the two key points to this series is to deter- determine what uh, what
1: Cassian and what Quick we're getting? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the well, that's really what it is, though. It's like you don't know who's going to show up until it starts. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. a it's a little question mark. Like, luckily with Edmonton, most of their best players, we know what we're going to get.
0: Well, yeah. So what do you think Edmonton has to do?
1: I think ultimately they need to take advantage of the inexperienced decor, yeah. for once, or, or for one. And then they need to really be able to like hem them in and kind of flex their forechecking ability because yeah. LA is not the same big team they used to be. So Edmonton can kind of try and flex their, their size with that and their just grittiness in general through like Yamamoto and Hyman yeah. and grind down that defense, tire them out. So then their speed can take advantage of it. Because that's the one thing, Edmonton, like they might be lacking a little bit of physicality and size, mm-hmm. which is why I'm hoping Cassian shows up properly. Exactly, yeah. But they have a little bit of everything at this point. Even their big guys are fast. Yeah, like, that's very true. But even like Mc- they just need to play more physical. Saddle's huge. McLeod's even pretty big. He's like 6'2, 210 pounds or something like that. Yeah. So like they have the size to play that way. It's just, did they have the determination to? like change up their game and play the way that the playoffs require them to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As my uh, old coach would tell us, uh, the only way to succeed is to penetrate that box. So um, what a great quote. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed that. Put that on a shirt. (laughs) Uh, Great. We're going to get canceled on episode one. Um, So next on our docket players to watch. Um, Do you have one player from each team? uh, I've got a couple in mind. But
1: um, I'll say one player from each team.
0: Yeah, that works. Say
1: for LA, I like I didn't watch a lot of the Toronto-Montreal series last year. Mm. But all I heard was deno, deno deno. Yeah. And I want to see just exactly what he can bring yeah. to see if he's able to do that. Um, and then for Edmonton, I think their number one key is going to be Mike Smith. That's fair. Yeah. Like, which Mike Smith shows up. Is he going to be able to steal them some games? Because ultimately in the playoffs you need to. And I think he has that ability. Um, so I'd love to see what he can do. Those are the two made ones for me though.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm actually gonna kind of steal your notes. I saw, I saw your, uh, <laughs> your, uh, the keys to victory that you had for the Kings. Um, but I think the, the player you're gonna have to watch for LA is, it's gotta be Jonathan Quick. Um, the Oilers can score a lot of goals and this could be a runaway train pretty quick if, uh, pardon the pun, uh, if, uh if he doesn't show up. But, uh, I think if you flip it to the Oilers side, I don't know if it's going to make or break the series, but I think if you get an Evander Kane who comes into this series and absolutely dominates the way he has over the past month, really since he's been here. Um, I think it's such a fantastic compliment to the lineup that they have right now. And he's built like a playoff player. Like He's just got that demeanor. He's a little bit nasty, which is something the Oilers haven't seen in a long time. Um, he doesn't have to go out there and score, you know, 10 goals in the series. But if you get Evander Kane showing up and he's throwing, you know, Kopitar's line off, uh, I imagine they're going to be lined up with McDavid quite a bit. If you just get a couple guys off their game, like, it's, uh, it's lights out with McDavid and Dreisaitl on the ice.
1: Well, I was just uh, I was just looking at Kane's stats historically in the playoffs. Um, he has played a lot of playoff games. Mm-hmm. He's only played 29 total playoff games. Yeah, and he's only had 13 points. Right. So I know we're talking about how he's the like how he's built for the playoffs and stuff, but he doesn't have a lot of experience and hasn't really shown that he can play that hard in the Pims. playoffs. Well, <laughs> if we base it off on Pims, then like <laughs> we need Zach Stortini back in the lineup.
0: That's fair. That's fair.
1: But ultimately, like, I do agree that he can show up and be a good player. And I think he has the ability to. But I'm interested to see if he actually brings it or not. Because he needs to play that role for this team. Yeah. And definitely. if he doesn't, who's going to? Definitely. All right. Well, we've danced
0: around it for 40 minutes now. What's uh, what's the prediction you got?
1: Who you got, Sean? To win the cup? No. Oh. No. I was one like, round at a time, my like, guy. like, bias opinion, Edmonton. Jeez. <laughs> Someone
0: copy Sean's bracket.
1: Oh, you just mean the series. The series. I'm going to say 4-1 Edmonton. 4-1. Fuck. I should have got that from you before. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, Only because I want them to win it at home. Oh, that's
0: fair. That's yeah. fair. My rationale is that, uh, first off, I could see the Oilers losing one of the first two games. Um, and I think they're going to win both games. From the, the rumors I'm seeing on Twitter, Ben Stelter is going to be at both those games. Yeah, I was going to say, if he's there, so then they're going to win. That's automatically two. got to split at least that. But he's then... going to
1: be at both the road games? Yeah. Oh, yeah. what about the home games?
0: Uh, So apparently, and I hope I'm not talking out of turn here, but uh, uh, Mike Stelter posted on Twitter they uh, that uh, they, uh, they're taking a trip to Disney. So yeah. they're paying a trip to go visit Mickey. So... Uh, we're big, big Ben fans here. Um, and I know the Oilers, like like Ben alluded to, they need them more on the road than they need them at home because Rodgers is going to be rocking. And uh, it's gonna yeah.
1: It's going to be
0: deafening in there. It's going to be insane. Man, that was one thing. And uh, just to put a, a, a bow on this, uh, I'm going 4-1 Oilers as well. But uh, there's something different about this year. I know we've had... Uh, everything going on the past couple years but i remember 2017 the coffee tastes better in the morning you've got a hitch in your giddy up when you're walking around town it's it's a bump in time to be in edmonton and uh i think you know not having fans in the building for the last two years it's gonna be it's gonna be a shit show man
1: i can definitely feel it in the air in the city here yeah just the team, it feels a lot like sixteen seventeen, where yeah. everybody was pretty hyped on the season going into the playoffs. Yeah. And now we don't have any Ryan Kessler's in there to ruin it for us. <laughs> so hopefully everything goes over well. Right. Um, I'll be cautiously optimistic again, but I think we're, yeah, 4-1. Um, Quick will probably steal a game. That's why I'm going with 4-1 as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because I know he has that ability, but probably just not consistency anymore, hopefully. Yeah. Um. But yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great. Just just out of curiosity, how freaking happy do you think the EPS is that the two games in Edmonton are in, on Monday and Wednesday?
1: I mean, it's probably going to save some property damage, I assume, <laughs> but more likely that would happen later in later rounds, I would think. Yes. But yes. I think it'll make it easier for
0: everybody. Drink responsibly, Edmonton, but enjoy every second of this. We uh, we definitely earned it. Um so we've gone through this, this series. Let's go through the remainder of the uh the quarterfinal matchups on each side. I don't have to go too too in depth on uh um our picks and why we picked them, but uh we'll jump to the Hurricane's Bruins first. Sean.
1: I'm going to go with Bruins. Bruins, eh? Yeah. I wanna see them go deeper with Hall particularly. It'd be cool to see them. Yeah succeed i know a lot of people are who are listening to this are probably anti-taylor hall that, but yeah i'll always have a soft spot for all those former oilers yeah um yeah. and ultimately i think the hurricanes have had their chance over the past few years that's fair and they've struggled and the bruins are on
0: fire lately yeah
1: so if they didn't start the season so poorly they would have probably won their division yeah absolutely i'm saying that they would have had to beat a florida but i think they could have done it
0: i uh it pained me to say this because I still have uh, trauma from 'O six, but it's pretty fucking cool to see Rally get involved when they get their fan base behind them and seeing them all tailgating like it's a football game and just getting everybody out. I'd like to see it. I, I honestly, I think they're they're the better skilled team. Uh, I think the Bruins have the ability for sure to beat them up, but uh, I'm going Canes. Okay. All right. This one. Uh, this one is gonna be. Something I've been loathing to talk about because I'm sure the rest of uh, Willers Nation has some pretty uh, tough thoughts on it. Leafs, Lightning. Do they do it, Sean?
1: No. They don't? No. They don't. Leafs are dumb and I hate them. (laughs) I always had a weird... Over the past few years, I've had a weird soft spot because I started watching a lot of those Steve Dangle LFR things. Yeah. Mostly for the funniness, but then I learned so much about the Leafs. I was like, do I kind of like them? Yeah. But I don't like them. That's fair. And ultimately, the Lightning are the Lightning. Yeah. They have everything you'd want in a cup-contending team. So, like, I think Leafs will make a series out of it, of course. Like, their offense is nothing to scoff at by any means. Yeah. Um, and their defense is pretty solid. But ultimately, I think they'll fall short because, I don't want to say goaltending, but Vasilevsky versus Campbell, who do you take?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you take Vasilevsky every single day and then... Uh... There's there's no debate on that one. I don't know, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, to your Dangle point, like I love him. I think he's a fantastic personality, uh, but I get more enjoy enjoyment out of him when he's in in pain and suffering. Um, Makes a better uh, poor guy, poor guy. Um, I do have the Lightning in seven. I think the Leafs are gonna make it a uh, a tough tough series. Um, I hope I'm right that's all I'll say about
1: that well enough enough Leafs talk yeah, this let's... isn't a Leafs podcast nobody wants to hear about them <laughs> Rangers-Penguins
0: uh, I think the Rangers are going to pull it out I Penguins are a good team um, which is kind of the reason I was shocked Edmonton beat them so handily last week but uh, I think the Rangers are a wagon this year you got Shisterkin and Net.
1: that's all you have to say and it full stop yeah that's it that's it Shisterkin and Nett's all you need that's it that's it how about you um, I'm. I feel the same way. Like yeah. I just said, Shosturkin is a monster. Yeah. Any any team with him in Net in a seven game series, I'll probably take them. Yeah. Because I think he has the ability to steal a series easily. God,
0: I I, I really hope I get to uh, ask the question next round. But uh, just just thinking ahead to, would you pick Vasilevsky, Shosturkin? I know it's been talked around, but we'll we'll get
1: into that in a future pod. Like yeah. let's let's not cross well, that road. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Panthers caps. But you have to go Panthers, right? Oh, it's yeah. How do you not? Yeah, it's no. It's not washed up Bobrovsky anymore. He's no. back to his former self. Yeah, not quite Vesna level, but it's playing well. And their offense is disgusting.
0: Yeah, Making like in those ten sheets a year, just.
1: I think they had the most goals in the salary cap era this year. Yeah, like it's ridiculous. And then they still have great defense with uh, Mackenzie Wieger and Aaron Eckblad. Like. Yeah. I think they have, similar to the Lightning, they have everything you need. Yeah. You have the star power, you have the depth, you have the defense, you have the goalie. Like, I, It'll be interesting to see what happens out of that.
0: Well, we've been talking about it for a minute, and we haven't mentioned like Ovechkin.
1: Well, I just don't think the Caps have it in them. It's no, nothing it's, on that's Ovechkin true, yeah. in particular. No, I just it's don't true. Th- Who's even their goalie right now? Samsonov? Yeah, or Samsonov, I... however you pronounce it? <laughs> like... I don't know. Throwback to Sergei Samsonov on that one for yeah, anybody. Yeah, exactly. Who remembers him. Shadow
0: Oh six. Um, Avs, Preds, are we going to waste too much time on this one?
1: No. Easy, for the most part, Avs. It just depends on if Kemper shows up and true. if Saros is out for the entire series. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of goaltending. Uh, like, Turns out goaltending wins championships. Who yeah, knew? When's the last time a team won with a shit goalie? That's true.
0: That's a good point. Very subjective. Anyways, yeah, I'm going abs too. Wild Blues, this is probably the most intriguing series for me. Biggest toss up for sure, I would say. Yeah, I I think the Wild are uh I think they're a good team. I think they're really deep. I I have them
1: over the blues. You could say the same thing about the Blues though. Yeah. They have yeah. seven twenty goal scorers. And like I think four guys over point per game. Robert yeah. Thomas has like completely come into his own this season. That's true. And Kairou is absolutely popped off too. Including the fact that Tarasenko's return to form, like I think their biggest question mark is probably goalie. Is like is which Binnington's going to show up? Oh look, goalie! Yeah,
0: back to the goalies. You look at the double-headed monster that they have in Minnesota, though. Yeah, you, you have got Talbot, who's playing really well lately, and, and it seems like he's been playing great ever since Fleury came to town. So, um it, I think that's going to be a really good series to watch. Uh, yeah, but, I would
1: put my money on that being probably one of the funner series to watch. Yeah.
0: I get very much circa, you know, Andrew Burnett over Patrick Waugh vibes. <laughs> I think I think this is the best wild team we've seen since then. But uh,
1: yeah, that's off the... to Kaprizov for coming in and proving all the haters wrong that's on that true. contract.
0: That's true. It's true. Uh, the series that I'm going to hate watch the most, probably, uh, Flames Stars.
1: I'd love to see the Flames lose. God, would we all. But you can't argue with the style they play for the playoffs, right? No. no. It's like, how, how how do you beat the Flames' physicality? It's like they have their top line that will just burn you at even strength, and then everybody else will just murder you. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's... as much as I hate the Flames, you have to respect that the way they play sometimes and what Sutter's brought out of them. Like, I wish he could interview better, but... <laughs> man, I love his
0: interviews. Daryl Sutter is... He's a funny, funny man.
1: I saw a comparison clip where they asked... Uh, Woodcroft like they asked them both the same question. Yeah, Woodcroft had like a 2 minute answer and Sutter's was one word. Oh man.
0: I met him at a uh, a Rebels game in Red Deer and he was talking to a bunch of people and like two word answers to everybody. His family his, like that's who he is. He's it's a man of few a, words. Very very much so. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I think I think the Flames are going to handle the Stars pretty easily. I looking at all the series that might be the one that has the most potential, in my eyes, to be a sweep.
1: Yeah, I would think so, too. Every other series seems pretty close, besides, I guess, Panthers-Caps might be similar, um, but and maybe Avs-Preds, without Sorrows. But I would agree. Ultimately, though, out of all of these teams, not including Edmonton, because obviously you'd pick Edmonton to win the Cup, mm-hmm. who would be your next favorite to win the Cup? Oh, I don't know. So we have to you try said, and keep the who? bias out of it. Other who? than Who? Other than Edmonton, who yeah. would win the Cup? Because you would probably pick Edmonton to win the Cup. That's the whole point of this podcast in the first place. We're going to revisit this, aren't we, in a few few weeks. Uh, well, after every round, we'll touch base again, but... I mean,
0: from a pure hockey perspective, I'd love to see the Avs-Panthers as a final, but I, uh, I think the Panthers are the deepest team in the league by a long shot. And, and you could look at the Avs and say the exact same thing, but I don't know... There's just so many players that they have that never get to see the light of day. Like look at Barkov. Look at Huberto. Like look how many points that fucking guy put we'll up. Be and getting... Nobody's talking about him.
1: We'll get to Huberto shortly. Okay, okay, but yeah,
0: it's just it's it's endless for them. I'm I'm so going you're going Panthers. Florida? Yeah.
1: I like I have to go Avs. That's fair. Like I have a soft spot for the Avs too. I got too many friends who are fans of them, so I've been paying too much attention. But ah, that's cheating. A healthy Avs team it's like, like it's disgusting that roster is ridiculous yeah their defense is so deep yeah like yeah. if Byram's healthy too and playing at the level he can like what is their top four Byram, McCarr, um, Gerard, and Taves yeah like, it... and that's not including the Johnson combo on the third pair Jack and Eric coming at you. yeah but yeah I go Avs but I do agree I think Florida will win the East that's fair but that's fair. That's only because I don't want the Lightning to win again. <laughs> I'd hate to see that. But just thanks to No Vegas, I don't see a lot of cap circumvention going yep, on this yep, year. Yep, yep, So we have that at least to feel good about. Isn't it amazing how they became the most hated team in the league? I mean, no. Everybody was jealous of their success. Well, I guess. That's the reason why, like, honestly. Like, don't as an you hate watch f- them? Like, don't you love to hate watch teams just because they're uh, successful? Occasionally. Like, I like to watch the Flames lose. That's always fun. Yeah. I like to watch the Leafs lose. Um, just a bitter soul. I don't know. The reason why everybody hates Vegas is because they went to the final in the first year. It was either you hated them yeah. or you like were like, oh, yay, cup run. So cool. Great story. But yeah. I hated them because as an Oilers fan, you're sitting there with our team spinning its wheels for, what, 12 years at that point, And then them just get gifted a roster and make it to the finals. They're like, oh, it's that easy? Like, let's just sell our team. Before we draft to McDavid, I would have been like, yeah, let's throw the team in the dump. Yeah. And then let's do an expansion draft. Why not? What's what's there to lose at this point?
0: And I mean, they didn't really help themselves out. But, like, Seattle's probably sitting there going, like, what the fuck is this shit?
1: Yeah, like? you can thank Ron Francis for that. Yeah, Like, if you look now, <laughs> in hindsight, obviously, the roster they could have had, yeah. they could have had Tarasenko. Like, I guess not taking price is probably a good idea, ultimately. But like there were some really good players. There was one player they drafted who literally, I think he is just was a nothing player and didn't play an NHL game this season. He like went overseas. It's like, why did you draft that player? It doesn't make any sense, but uh, I'm going off on a tangent. So let's no, we'll, no, no, we'll say it sounds <laughs> like an off season conversation. <laughs> These teams aren't in the playoffs. So we don't care about, we them. will need to save a lot of that. Um,
0: hopefully there's not a lot, but uh, just one thing we wanted to touch on. You made a great point about the trophy discussion. I didn't, think it was something we should talk about but you made a great point
1: essentially we're gonna cover it now before we're biased by the playoffs because that happens every year like the uh i believe it was the mckinnon year where he was up for the heart yeah where he had a great first round it absolutely dominated and all i could see on twitter on reddit or whatever everybody was like mckinnon mckinnon best player in the league he's better than mcdavid blah 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 and it was leaking into all the trophy discussion, too, and because yeah. I believe that was either a year Edmonton didn't make it or got one of those, like, got swept in the first round years. Well, so, like, if we talk about it now, we can avoid that bias. Like, if McDavid suddenly popped off for 30 points in the first round... Yeah. Like obviously everybody would be ringing his bell. So
0: I, I think you make a good point too, because then once we're done this and we're only going to talk about three of the uh, major trophies, cause this doesn't want to be a two hour podcast, but I also don't
1: know enough about all the, trophies. Yeah, exactly. I could tell you Bergeron should win the Selkie, but that's <laughs> about all I got for you.
0: Localized coverage here. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to put this season to rest because I think once you hit playoffs, like everything you did for the first 82 means nothing. Um, so we'll start with the Norris. Uh, I I don't have a lot of uh, need to go into it because I think his play speaks for itself. Um, and uh, I could watch that dirty OT goal he scored every single night and never get sick of it. Kale McCarr is my, my pick every Very single Kale time. McCarr.
1: Every single time. Interesting. I would strongly disagree Okay. And say Roman Yosi should win. Interesting. How do you argue against Yossi? He carried the offense of his team completely. Like, Makar gets to play on a team with McKinnon, Cog Rantanen, etc. It's not the meanwhile, best player
0: of your team award, though. Meanwhile,
1: it's, yes it is. No, it's not. It's the best defenseman in the league. Whatever. I still think Yossi is the best defenseman in the league. That's fair. He's playing with Duchesne and Philip Forsberg, helping them get career years. Like, I, I think it's not even close. Like, he was breaking records this year with 90, what, 90? I think it was 96 points. Or 95 points. Like... And McCar, I think, missed a few games, and ultimately, you do have to take health into account. I've seen too many players miss out on trophies with Nuge missing out on the Calder, and I think McDavid missed out on the Calder too because of like injuries. Like it's you have to consider it. They didn't miss half a season, mind you, but like I don't know. I think Yossi wins. If, huh? It'll be close though. Like McCar almost. Had, if McCar hit thirty goals, I can make the argument for him. But he was only at twenty-seven. Oh yeah, only, only. <laughs> Thanks. Hence the emphasis. Thanks Jim Matheson. Um,
0: the next next one we're gonna chat about, and f- frick, I was thinking about the uh, the different um, scenarios that the Oilers got kind of gypped from from the Calder Trophy. So we're not gonna get into that. Actually, the next. Oh, I forgot about...
1: about the Calder Trophy. I didn't even
0: have that on my uh, list. If I hear Michael Bunting one more goddamn time, like twenty six years old, you should not be winning Rookie of the Year. I I'm mean,
1: sorry. In my opinion, it should be more exciting. Yeah. But he's not yeah, going to exactly. win.
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: Unfortunately, he's not going to win. But I just think he's a monster, and I could watch his hit. Like from one season, his hit highlights is yeah. like ridiculous. Yeah, it's like clean hit Scott Stevens out there.
0: So I guess we covered the Calder. Um, yeah, I will. I'll leave that 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 thought process for another day. But uh, moving on to the the Vesna Trophy.
1: This isn't even an this argument here.
0: It's not a conversation.
1: No, it could have been. Yeah. Um. I know Saros was having a great year, but he kind of fell off at the end of the year, yeah. and it kind of ruined it. The only argument against Shishkin, by the way, that's who we're voting for. It's not an argument. Oh, for yeah. That by the reason. way, the
0: goaltender for the New York Rangers. Yes. Yeah.
1: He absolutely stomped in every statistical category except for shutouts, I believe. Yeah, because Markstrom had the most there, but. Like, how can you make that argument besides games played? Which will come into my next conversation for the next trophy, but we'll cross that road when we get there. So, yeah, Shisterkin by a landslide. You agree?
0: Uh, Not even a debate, yeah. So, speaking of Shisterkin, I think he's got to be mentioned for the next category. We're going to talk about the heart. This will be the last one we're kind of discussing, but um, uh, there's kind of – it's one of the weird years where I think – Usually, there's three cut and dry players that you have for the Hart Trophy, um, but I think this year you could you could make arguments for about five different players.
1: I'd say um, even more. Like yeah, you can make arguments yeah. for eight players. I at least I say that I have eight. Yeah, but like um, it depends on what definition you want to consider. But yeah,
0: and you I think the the biggest word in the MVP discussion is valuable. Um, and I guess that word can be interpreted a bunch of different ways. Is it to your team? Is it to the league? Is it...
1: Trophy says it's your team. The yeah. well, description of the trophy says no, it's your team.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just kind of alluding to the way things are being interpreted. Like, you look at Austin Matthews and, yeah, 60 goals. Like, that's
1: it's impressive. Um, well, he had 60 goals. He's really solid defensively. People yeah. don't talk about that. I don't want to pump his tires that much. But, like, ultimately, I would be leaning toward him for 60 goals in a while. Like it's hard to argue with that,
0: but I could argue that Johnny Goudreau is more valuable to his team than Austin Matthews is.
1: I would agree with that. Like Matthews plays almost exclusively with Marner yeah. and whoever they decide to throw on that line with them. Yeah. Um, but he also missed like nine, 10 games this year yeah. and Toronto had a really good record when he was out. Yeah. So like you could argue that he's not the most valuable to the team.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I honestly, I just
0: because I know McDavid is gonna get thrown under the bus because everyone's so sick and tired of him being the best player every single year, even though he's well, putting up north of 120 points. Like
1: I have my cons as voter fatigue for one of them. Oh yeah, which that's I fair. think is the most bullshit ever. There's yeah, a, like I don't know. Put, Bergeron has won so many Selkies you think voter fatigue would have. Yeah, you think that would be the him, first one. He's like the top candidate for it this year. Yeah. I'm um, uh
0: I, I'm going with the uh the double whammy for and I'm saying Vesna and Hart.
1: I would agree with that. Um not wait, sorry. Vesna, yes. Hart, he's definitely a candidate. Yeah. Um like the biggest cons that everybody throws out is he's only played fifty three games. Is like, oh, he shouldn't win because he didn't play in what, twenty nine of their yeah. games. Which, in the current state of the NHL, I think is bullshit. Yeah. Because almost no goalie who is a good goaltender anymore plays 60 games. If you're on a good team, you don't. Well, remember Mika Kiprasov putting up 50 wins? Yeah. Like, but like that was that, a different time. Exactly. I think people realize that having a good backup who can play so you can rest your starter so they can potentially put up monster stats yeah. makes a huge difference. And it all shows in... The comparison too between their stats between um, Shosturkin and their backup uh, Gorgiev, yeah, he has a eight ninety eight save percentage, yeah, which is a thirty seven point difference between Shosturkin. Like I don't think the team plays that much different in front of him. Yeah, I think he's just that good. So like I, he's my dark horse to win. I would say, which he shouldn't be a dark horse.
0: Well, be- that's the thing, yeah, because
1: the big like ones is like the argument is McDavid and Matthews. I'm not going to say McDavid should win. I think he should, but I'm also yeah. biased. So I'm trying to leave him out of the discussion as much as possible. Yeah. Because if I have to hear somebody say that he plays with Joy will one more time is like barely. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't want to hear that. But like Johnny Gaudreau has a huge huge upside like 90 even strength points mm-hmm. is it like that's a joke. That's crazy. Yeah. Like if he if they had a good power play, he could probably have put up 130 points this year. Yeah. Um, he also played all 82 games, mm-hmm. which is not a lot people can say, especially in the uh, one of the tail end of the COVID seasons, yeah. where people get pulled out just for coughing. Um, but ultimately, he plays exclusively with Lindholm and Kachuk. I believe they've almost always played together the entire year. Yeah. So like that does play into a little bit. Those two are both really good players. It's just a matter of who is the best player on that line combo. And who's hyping who up? And then I have in my cons uh, is small. So <laughs> is small. he's small. He won't win because he's too small. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, if uh, he was if he was bigger, he'd win for yeah. sure. If he was six foot, two hundred pounds, he would have won. Man, I'm not the biggest
0: guy, but like, what the fuck do you do about that? Yeah. Um. Best best chirp I've ever heard from a small guy, uh, small athlete is like, uh, yeah, I'm five two, but. I'm six foot when I'm standing on my wallet. So I'm
1: sure Johnny can save that for his back pocket. Um, I'm sure he would. You know, we, we mentioned it earlier, like quietly, one of the best players in the league that we haven't talked about yet is Jonathan Huberto. I was going to say, notice how we didn't talk about him again. (laughs) Yeah. I think he has just as good of a case as anybody to win. Like he led the league in assists. He was breaking left wing records. Um, and he plays with very statistically weak linemates in comparison to some of the other players. Yeah. Definitely. Like his linemates for the majority of the season were Sam Bennett and Anthony Duclair, yeah. who both had career years this year playing with him. Yeah. So, I ultimately I think he has such a good case for it, but he plays for the Presidents Trophy team and the team is in Florida so they don't get a lot of coverage. Yeah. So, ultimately I don't think he will win as much of a case that he has.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I think that pretty much does it for episode number one. Um, just like to remind you, please feel free to like, rate, subscribe to all of our socials. We'll make sure we tag all of these in the episode notes. And uh, like we mentioned, too, like we want to make this a discussion with the fans. So our, uh, our Twitter is open um, and we, uh, we'd we love to hear from you. Um, Sean, you got anything else, man?
1: I don't think so. Um I had some other notes that I just want to honorable mention Kaprazov and JT Miller still in that heart training. Yep. I just want to say that (laughs) they also had a chance. Uh, They played great, but it depends on your definition of the trophy. Sean is so Canadian. I love it. If you let me sit here and talk, I will talk for another three hours about this. That's true. It's true, but we're running out of tape. I'm just kidding. We'll save Uh, it for next week. (laughs)
0: Lots of, uh, lots of talk upcoming. So we'd like to thank you for listening to episode number one of the crude oil podcast. Let's go Oilers.